Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on whether you are listening to us live, direct, straight after the game, or whether you're listening to us via your podcast channels, and you can obviously get those. All that malarkey. Hopefully, you can uh, hear us, and hopefully I'm coming through okay, although I have admitted to the guys that my Wi-Fi can be a bit patchy at times. So fingers crossed it goes well, but thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for joining us today for the latest Gunnerstown podcast pub. And we've just won a football match. We beat Sheffield United 3-0 at Bramall Lane. Happy days. And joining me today is uh, a couple of lovely, likely lads. It's Merv Dillon. How you doing, Murph? You all right? I'm doing fine. Nice and relaxed after that. Nice Sunday evening. Nice Sunday. Yeah, exactly. If only all games could be like that, eh? Yep. Exactly. And uh, we've also got Mike McDonald. Mike, joining us from the States. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, it's a beautiful day here in sunny Tennessee. So, um, and a beautiful watch that was um that was nice i didn't know it was coming but we we're arsenal fans so we don't know do we but um i'm happy sorry about that that was me that was my fault um tethering the joys of wi-fi these days but uh, as i said the lads just before we went off there sometimes you just need to go on your own fold but thank you very much for joining us hopefully you have enjoyed what has transpired and let's get the Let's get the, uh, uh, the, pl- the the niceties out of the way. What are we drinking? So, lads, just before you start, I'm doing what's known as an Uxbridge Chaser, Chaser here in West London. And the Uxbridge Chaser is exclusive to Arsenal fans, and that is um, a pint of rum and cola, as well as a nice little cheeky Cronenberg uh, as well. And the reason why Arsenal fans need that it's because, let's face it, we need drink in these day and age because we do not make it self, uh, difficult for itself, ourselves normally. However, tonight, we didn't make it difficult for ourselves. But we'll get onto that in a second. Merv, what are you drinking? Yes. Thank you, Chris. I'm drinking uh, something called Eternal Sunshine, which is a craft um, collaboration between Northern Monk, who are a Yorkshire brewery, and Fieldwork, who are a US brewery, I think California. And it's a, a double dry hopped IPA, 5.5%, very nice and drinkable. I'm not sure, Merv, if there's such a thing as being able to be a Ponzi beer drinker, but I think if it was... I'm, I'm one of them, yes. would be yes. you. You would I absolutely, them, you'd yeah. be the hipster beer drinker. Yeah. Mike, yeah. how are you doing? What are you drinking? This is the bit where Mike... The pure soul that he is tells us about the purity of the filtered water that he's drinking right now. Go on, Mike. Here's the thing, Chris. This filtered water is brought to you by Walmart, which is brought to you by Stan Kroenke, which means that in my warped mind, I'm contributing to Gabrielle Martinelli's wages by purchasing this water. And oh. I'm, therefore, I feel like I'm sort of responsible for the second goal tonight. <laughs> Do you know what? I absolutely love that, mate. That is beautiful. Beautiful. Or perhaps, hopefully, you're contributing towards Stan Conkrey's 
fingers crossed uh, decision making, which is around getting Martin Erdogan to Arsenal. But again, that's for another podcast. That's for another day. Today, we're talking about Sheffield United. Um, let's talk. And I'll start with you, Merv. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on lineup and um, pre-game. What was your, what's your general thinking? And, and do you know what? In fact, let's go a little bit different. What were you doing an hour before kickoff? Like, were you doing anything interesting, or were you just sitting down on your phone, basically scrolling through, furiously waiting to be enraged by whatever the lineup was? Um. Well, I was scrolling through my phone, um, waiting to see the lineup. I wasn't expecting to be enraged. And, and I, th- I think kind of the, I mean, I wasn't sure about the left back. I think I expected uh, Saka to play left left back. So that that was a surprise. And I didn't, when I saw the team, I didn't appreciate uh, Grant Xhaka was going to play there. It was I was pleased Martinelli was playing. It was kind of what I expected. Um, I, I was a bit concerned uh, Kaya Saka uh, because with with Erdegaard, uh, Emil Smith Rowe currently not fit, might not be ready for Thursday. I was a bit concerned about overplaying him tonight. I thought it it was a game we possibly could have left him out. Um, but other than that, no, I felt quite relaxed. I thought you know if if everything clicked, having a party with with Danny in in the middle, um, I, I thought it would work, and I was just quite re- relaxed about it. Yeah. You were quite relaxed. Yeah. I like the sound yeah, of you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I was a bit serene too. And I tell you what, if, if you're in the comments, if you're on Facebook and if you're on uh, Twitter via Periscope, or if you're even listening to us next day, message us and tell us what you're drinking or tell us what you're drunk. If you're listening to this next day, tell us what you're drunk. And if it was a little bit too much because you're a little bit too excited because Arsenal actually kept a clean sheet, that's okay. You know, we, we are allowed to be a little bit excited even though it was Sheffield United who, even though, are terrible. And Mike, um, talk to me about your thoughts, I guess. Well, let's move on from the lineup. Talk to me about the first sort of exchanges. Um, Were you you happy? What's your general thoughts going into this game? Were you just a bit like, meh? And how, how did the first sort of 15 minutes, half an hour, just a free hit for you on... Just talking through your general thoughts as our resident coaching chief. Sure, sure. Free hit's a good word because um, I felt this was somewhat of a free hit for Arsenal. They've got a lot of players out injured. There was encouragement to get Martinelli in the lineup, which which he did. I was exciting, excited to see Saka at left back. So I thought that was a good idea. And then and then he wasn't at left back. Um, and, and then he was an attacking mid. But Saka doesn't matter because wherever you play him, he plays very well, doesn't he? So uh, that was exciting. I was a little. Um, uh, perturbed that we didn't see a Gabriel Mari. I've been that's the only combination we haven't seen, and I think that's Arsenal's best combination, even though they're both left footed. Um, but that was okay. Um, Ceballos and Lacazette made me nervous, but um, so then going on to the game itself, and this is what I was telling you guys before we, we came on air is that Arsenal just are just utterly confusing, aren't they, to support? And uh, they have been for a lot of my life, but more so this season than ever, because you absolutely don't know what you're going to get. You know, last mm-hmm. week, uh, everybody, not just me, was ready to completely get rid of the, the thought of having Danny Sabias, even as a squad player. And then today happened, and, and he was busy the whole game, and he was influential, and he looked like a really good footballer. And Lacazette was gone in my mind a long time ago, and, and he'd... 
drives me insane because then he'll do this and he'll do this again in three weeks. We know it, right? Um, he won't do it probably on Thursday, but we'll get another one of these in three weeks and think he looks just like the centre forward we need. So um, the whole thing just confuses me. I just have to try and decompress after watching Arsenal because I just feel like it's not what I ever expect. I either get too hyped and we're awful or I think that this is just you know, falling down a hill and then it looks like we are a top four contender, which that first half made me dream of again. So I don't know, man, my head's just spinning watching Arsenal. Yeah. So again, I'll stay with you then, Mike. Like, let's do, let's go macro. Take the game as a whole. What was your, like, highlight? If you could just pick. So it's a bit difficult because we're, we're still in the, Football's an interesting game because it's all about always about emotions. It's always about like in the now. And I don't know about you, but whenever I listen or watch or read stuff the next day, or even when I write my blog the next day or the day after that, there's always a bit of like calm that's settled amongst me, and I can get a little bit more introspective. But finding a highlight from today finds I find it interesting because it feels like there's almost like a caveat in there because it's Sheffield United. You know, they've lost 24, now 25 games this season. They aren't good. They're a championship side. But is there a particular bit that you personally can pick out? I guess from a tactical point of view would be ideal. Yeah. You would say this is this was grand. Okay, two things I will pick out. One was the tempo of the first half. I think Arteta's best um, quality that he's brought on the field tactically is the ability for Arsenal to understand that they need to play the full length and especially width of the pitch. So Arsenal players normally receive the ball in a lot of space and have a little bit of time. Because of that, too many of them take too much time because they have time. But that first half, they played with tempo and we moved the ball one and two touch. And then that first goal was a goal of the season contender for Arsenal Football Club, not for the Premier League. But that, that was the Arsenal that we know and love and that we're capable of. And for some reason, we decided to play that today. And, you know, you're talking about Sheffield United being a weaker team, and that's true. I'm not sure that that makes a whole lot of difference because if you can play one-touch football played with tempo, then it doesn't matter. Any team in the world is going to struggle if you have good players playing that way. So that was the biggest highlight. And then the second one for me <clears throat> is the deception. Um, I am... Um, I'm a firm believer that in this world we live in of um, uh, football being a coach's game now, not a player's game, and so much, um, uh, <clears throat> so many passing patterns and uh, predictability about watching any game of football. They're very predictable these days. I feel like football has to evolve to a, a place where it offers more deception in order to score because the, the repetition just instinctively tells the defensive unit that um, they know what's coming and it's easy to intercept because everybody's doing the same things. So, for example, Danny Sabias's little Croy flick to Lacazette for the first goal was what I'm talking about. You know, that fooled the entire defensive unit and then Thomas Partey's uh, turn in midfield on the third goal fooled the midfield and therefore they weren't ready for the through ball. So that, for me, were the two uh, coaching moments that I saw that made the biggest single differences in the game. Yeah. Do you know, the um, the goal itself was one of those goals that I, when I watched it and then when I saw the replay, I was like, it was the classic, why can't we just do this every game? Please, 
for the love of God, Muhammad, Allah, whoever you pray to, the footballing gods of karma, why do we not just deliver this kind of football on a consistent basis? And that is Arsenal. That is literally why we sit 11th in the table, because we are just as capable of a Liverpool appalling performance and the other side of it, which is that kind of build-up. And Danny survives. do you know what? There's a few players here, which I'm going to put my hands up here. And um, Mr. Hepker, Invincible, who um, is uh, obviously of uh, this parish, he has, as we can see in the chat, uh, given me given me a bit of a shout-out talking about Lacazette, because I am not Lacazette's biggest fan. I do not think he is um, an elite, amazing hold-up player, but... He had a decent game today, I will say that. I still think that he had moments which frustrated me today, but he played his part. He opened his body up nicely for that goal. It was good technique, and he was involved even in the build-up in his own goal just before that. So from my perspective, it was a, it was a really worked goal, and it just, it just makes the games like the Slavia Prague game and his absolute weird spooning up onto the crossbar when he was throwing goals even weirder but Merv I'm going to move on so um I want you to pick I'm going to make it difficult for you because when you've won three nil you've got opportunities to pick out a number of individuals but I want you to pick one highlight individual for the game and uh one particular moment and one particular individual that just off the top of your head just just you, you can just think of straight away so who is it and what is that moment? Oh, uh, um, I suppose I, I, impossible to think of one moment. But what I liked, and I'm looking, so I, I make notes during the game. So, so if you keep see me look down, because I've got notes here. Um, I like um, uh, Martinelli back in space, running. He never stops. He's always trying to chase down. He's always trying to run. He's always trying to show for stuff. I love doing that. Um, I love seeing him. Um, and I think that Thomas Partey, I think, again, it, 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 we've got to look at the opposition, but he looked a much more uh, like a one-man midfield almost, you know, winning it, you know, the, the transitioning it, uh, the pass for the third goal. I mean, the first and third goals to me could have been scored by the Invincibles. They were that, that, those kind of goals. And so I think that, uh, yeah, for me, it was great to see Martinelli out there fit. We did have a moment where we thought he maybe got injured again, but, but please God, he didn't. Um, I think that was the big thing for me because there's a fluidity that he brings to that side. Um, and seeing uh, Lacazette, you've just mentioned him and Paul had mentioned him uh, in the comments. Um, and there's this thing that, 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 you know, Lacazette's last six goals have been scored when Aubameyang is, isn't, isn't in the team. And I, I'm, I think there is an issue. I think Aubameyang needs to be in the middle. I think Lacazette needs to be in the middle. And I, I, I don't know that they can both be shoehorned into the same team. And I think t tonight kind of underlined that to me. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. Um, I, I agree. Do you know what? I, I agree with you. In fact, I was about to sort of pause and say to myself, oh, is there a sort of devil's advocate? But I can't really find it. I cannot see how Aubameyang and Lacazette works. We had last season where it worked at times where Aubameyang was on the left and 
Lacazette through the middle, but I'm sure Mike probably, as you as you testified, that was in a totally different system. Like we've essentially changed our system this season, and so in my mind, it's like if we've changed our system, fine. And then if this hasn't worked, then fine. But um, just touch on the where do you stand on Lacazette, Mike? Like, what's your what's your perspective on Lacazette in terms of his performance tonight? What he did right what he did might have done wrong or maybe he didn't do anything wrong um this season and also if you can just touch on this Aubameyang flu because i mean is that in your opinion is that just a bit of a arson binger yeah munia's got a toe injury so that's why we're not playing him today it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that he's just spooned one into his own net Sure, sure. <clears throat> if um, if a Bamian has flu, he's the only person in Great Britain that has it, apparently, because <laughs> no, nobody else has it. So um, we better quarantine him for a couple of months to make sure nobody else gets the common flu. So that Arsenal, I don't know if they've just chosen the wrong uh, illness on this occasion. I know we've been doing this for years, choosing illnesses for Meza Ozil and such. Um, or if they're just trying to make um, embarrass him slightly by choosing the flu intentionally. I don't know. Um, I do think he's gone in the summer. I do think Arsenal will attempt to get rid of him. I think that, uh, uh, you know, um, if, if this is... Oh, sorry, sorry. Mike, can I just stop you for a sec? Do you think Aubameyang's gone in the summer? Yeah. Really? Do you think this is a... Do you think this is like a something, something sort of catastrophic has happened in the last few weeks that has got a ripple effect that effectively will just see him move on. Yeah. And I why? Uh, because um, if, you know, if this is the first year of his three-year contract and he's been <clears throat> he's been average at best, then that's not good enough for the amount of wages. And so why do what we did with Meza Ozil and wait and wait? Um, let's try to get rid of him. And I think we might find that Arsenal might even try to get rid of him for free because clubs won't be able to afford a fee and um, and his wages. But, yeah, and also, I also think that the captaincy thing is an issue. I, I can't see that Arsenal are going to start next season with the Yang as captain, so there's going to be another problem. with it. I think he's a very sensitive guy, and I don't think he's going to take that well. Um, his performances haven't led to him being a justified starter. He's holding back Martinelli. There's the Balogun situation. He's got to come into the mix. He's signed a contract. So I think he's, good. he's yeah. gone. Um, on, on to Lacazette, I'd... Um, I would, I um, I would sell Lacazette because he's got some value, uh, but more I would sell Lacazette because he has no movement. And I don't see, um, no, actually, the people are complaining about this version of Lacazette. Lacazette, the the attacking midfielder, central midfielder. And I think against um, Slavia Prague, he was actually a centre back at one point. I actually prefer this version because Lacazette in the box is to me one of um, the most frustrating. Uh, strikers I have ever seen in, in all of my football watching life because he has no desire to lose his marker. He goes and stands next to a centre-back and has no movement. And so I just don't think he's a centre-forward. And, and you know, you see today, he actually excels at, um, whether you call it linking play or just building play, I don't know, he was just, he was a drifter. It's like he was given complete freedom to go find wherever the space was and don't worry about yeah. playing centre-forward. I think Arteta's given up on him in the box um, and, and that's crazy because he scored two goals. I get that. But if you watch when Arsenal have the ball and, and players in the box waiting, he he stands next to a defender. And I've, I've been over that for so long and his his lack of movement. I was waiting 
because Arteta keeps improving players individually. I was waiting for Arteta to work with him on his movement and teach him how to make one run for the defender and one run into to space. And then I watched players like Cavani today, who was the guy I wanted at Arsenal. I thought we should have got Cavani before United just uh, so that he could have been here for a couple of years and then Nketiah and Balogun could have taken over because Cavani has the best movement, I think, of any striker in world football. Um, yeah. And hence his stellar career. But anyway, so I... That's enough from me, but Lacazette and Aubameyang, I'd sell them both. And I think with Martinelli and Balogun, we have to we have to play them for the rest of the season. Otherwise, we don't know. We might have to have a 50 million starting striker on our books ready to go next season. And, and then we waste money buying one when we need to get other areas of the team built up. Um, so we have to do that now. Yeah. So I don't know whether or not I want to almost retrospectively, based on what you've just said, Mike, just almost highlight that as your low light, if that makes sense, the the whole Lacazette situation. But I feel like it's a low light that both you and I are. It's almost like hive mind here. If anyone's listening in, apologies for the hive mind here, because basically I feel like I'm going to repeat what Mike's just said, but just maybe in different words, because I feel exactly the same with Lacazette. Like, I want, there is not an Arsenal player that puts on the shirt, but I don't want to succeed. Score goals, win tackles, get down the line, win the ball, be brilliant. There isn't an Arsenal player that I want. And there isn't an Arsenal player that when I start to get grumpy about, and if anyone followed me on Twitter, then you'll see uh, my hashtag William watch tonight, which was a little bit sort of tongue in cheek. But actually, there's a reality behind it because it showed, it. I just focused purely on William and he was he did nothing um but i am in a position where i look at lacazette and just think you're not the player that we want you don't make the movement that we want and funny you just said that i was going to say just before you you, you mentioned it, i was going to say exactly the same thing i watched cavani at the at tottenham tonight and saw him make the darting runs except and and do you know what people are probably uh, watching this listening this is going to get grumpy with me but Olivier Giroud made darting runs. Now, Olivier Giroud missed chances left, right and centre, but he still made those darting runs. He's not a pace, but he has movement at times in the box. And I genuinely am now coming to the realisation that we, we downgraded with um, going from Giroud to uh, Lacazette. And a few people have, uh, have picked me up on that, but, you know, whatever. We'll move on for that. Let's focus on today and let's focus on now, right now. So, um can we talk a little bit, Merv, about yeah. the wide forward positions? Because there's a couple of bits that I just, I mean, you can go in any direction if you want. Um, but I thought that, Stephen Mano made a few comments about, oh, Pepe hasn't been great tonight. But I thought Pepe was actually very good. I thought he was incisive. And the thing about Pepe, for me, is that he will get 10 chances. And five of them will drive you nuts because he won't even be able to control the ball. But five of them will be incisive. And if I have someone like William who gets 10 touches and completes a pass on each one of them, or Pepe who gets 10 touches and completes a pass on five of them, but they are incisive passes, I want that. So you don't have to go just on Pepe here, but can you just talk to me about how you thought we performed from the wide forward position? So we had Pepe on the right-hand side. And actually, maybe this is, this is an opportunity for you to talk about Pepe. But also to talk about Martin Lale on the left, who 
I thought showed us that we don't need to show need, need to see any more of Willian for the rest of the season. Uh, we will see Willian, I'm sure, but uh, you're right, we don't need to. Uh, Martinelli, I thought was great, a hundred percent player, constantly alert, constantly looking, constantly, you know, uh, not getting in the faces of uh, defenders, but 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 constantly stretching defenders. They don't know where he's going. Always alert for a pass. Never kind of shrugs. You know, if it's if it's over hit, he'll chase it. He he, he the, the energy that emanates from him uh, is 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 is. Excellent. It's 100%. Pepe, I will be honest, I was disappointed with tonight. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I, I can't say he did anything really badly. Uh, and obviously had a, had a part to play uh, with the second goal. But I just, his first touch, he seems very, you know, when he gets the ball, it's kind of the first touch isn't clean. It's kind of... it. it, it he kind of it tracks back, you know, he turns back. He, he doesn't always... I don't know. He's he's. I don't find him sharp, and that's just me. I I. No, uh, sorry I, to interrupt. Yeah. No, sorry to interrupt. Wouldn't you rather have somebody? And this is almost the Alexis Sanchez question. Wouldn't you rather have someone like that though? Than again, I don't want to make this about William. Just make this about hypothetical player X though. Wouldn't you rather have somebody that makes those mistakes, but then also? gets into positions and gets shots away like he did for the Martinelli goal where, you know, he's put the ball into a good space, yeah. keepers made yeah. a save, he's parried it out. I mean, maybe there's a question mark about whether Ramsdale could have been better with that, but Martinelli is ultimately there to tap it in. Would you not rather have that than, like, the, again, I'm using William because he's just front and centre of my mind. Well, but... yeah, I'd, ra I'd, ra I'd rather see him than William. Uh, but I think Arsenal can upgrade. I mean, I, I, I don't know how they're going to do that uh, because of the investment they've made in him. I mean, I, I go back to when we signed him and I looked at all the YouTube highlights and he played for a counter-attacking team and quite often he was the out ball. He was the ball, you know, the, Leon was soaking it up and he was the out ball. Um, and I could see him playing like that. But... In, in the Premier League, we, I mean, Arsenal don't. Arsenal are a possession team. And we, we those kind of opportunities, the, 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 the ones that made him look a bargain at 70 million, if you like, um, he doesn't yeah. really get it. He, he has to fit in in a very different kind of framework, I, I think. And it's, that's when his kind of first touch sometimes lets him down. Or it, it's almost not lackadaisical, but... Martinelli, the, the moment he touches it, you know. He's either going to run with it, he's going to cut inside, he's going to do something. Saka is the same. And I think with Pepe, sometimes it's almost like it, it's almost like there's that split second where it, it's almost like he has to think about what to do with it. It's not mm. instinctive. Now, that might just be, you know, I can't play at that level. Um, but it, to me, that's how it looks. And I... I, I it is a concern because we've made a significant investment in him. And, you know, if they were to move him on for some reason, they're going to have to take, take a hit. Um, but I, I, there must be a way that we can bring him in and we can use his strengths. But I, I don't know to what extent we found it yet. It's all a bit fits and starts. There are some games he plays, you know, he played really well in the second half against West Ham. And you think, you know, that's what he can do for us. And then there are other games where you think, you know, what, what, 
what what did he do? Yeah, yeah, I get that. I mean, Pepe's a real conundrum, and uh, Paul again uh, from our parish is uh, yes. making some comments about how um, I have views on Pepe and Lacazette so differently. I think it's probably because you see flashes of brilliance from Pepe that I can see the technique and the ability in the player. And yet I see he gets a lot less game time than Lacazette, who I see games like today and I think if you could be that consistent, then absolutely, I'd have very different words from you. If you could be that consistent against West Ham, it'd be different. But I've seen the games against Tottenham. Like, he scored a penalty against Tottenham. You know, well done, lad. And, but Lacazette, i tell you one thing about Lacazette. He puts away a penalty. But he was absolutely turgid during that game. And the Liverpool game, anonymous, although 70% of the team were anonymous. But we see too much of that from our supposed £52 million elite striker. But I don't want to make this about Lacazette. I want to move on. Uh, Mike, I'm going to bring you in. I want to talk about Saka a little bit, actually, because... He looked decent today at, at times, but obviously he's come off as an he's come off injured. Hopefully that's not a long term thing. What do you make of Saka's performance today, um, and of late actually in recent games? Mike, sorry, that's for you. Sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, I think he has um, been representative representative of uh, Arsenal's uh, performance as a team. So if Arsenal have been poor, he hasn't been on his game. If Arsenal have been good, he hasn't. We seem to go as Saka goes. Today, um, I thought he was the hub of that quicker tempo and that um, those uh, quick touches and combinations on the top of the box. And so I was encouraged, and it brought me back to that West Brom away game in the snow when he was... The- <laughs> of all of that as well so um he uh i think he is a phenomenal talent and the fact that you can put him he, he i don't think he's ever played in that position for arsenal and you tell me if i'm wrong but if he has it's once so the fact that he played probably at short notice in a brand new position and he produced that level of first half performance um and it improved the team and was a big part in the goal i think is outstanding and and I don't yeah. understand that. Apparently, England are thinking of not taking him to the Euros. He'd be the first player I'd take because he's the most flexible player in the Premier League. And every squad, every squad has to have a player like that guy or two of them. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, on the England thing, England thing, all I would say is it would be very Gareth Southgate if he was to not take a gem with him to uh, the Euros. But to be honest with you, I'm less fussed about England. I'm more fussed about Arsenal. And half of me is a bit like, would it have been a good idea for him not to play tonight? Or um, So Mike, I'm going to stay with Mike just for a second, then I'm going to have you, Merv. But no. seeing him, so you've obviously, you coach people a lot. And I don't want, you're not a physiotherapist, so or a, um, you know, a sports injury, sports injury specialist. So seeing him with that sort of walk-off, what was your gut feel in terms of injury? And I know this is all hypothetical, but did, did it worry you? Do you think we got a problem for next Thursday? Yeah. Yeah, it worried me that he was playing the game to start with. 
but um, of course, this is the side of things that we don't have any insight really into. We see the games, and so we have an opinion on on that. But as to whether players are fatigued or in the red zone, we have no idea really. We just have to take guesses and trust. But Arsenal this season, like with their performance on the field, haven't been particularly good at putting players in there that aren't ready. So I am concerned, and I am concerned mainly because he did so well in the first half in a spot that we need somebody to play in on Thursday and we're running out of options. And if Erdogan and Smith-Rowe can't do it, and then he can't do it, you know what I'm going to say. It's that guy you've been hashtagging for the last hour, Chris. <laughs> maybe playing there. So um, that's my major concern. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's mine as well. And and it's not because... My main, my main concern is because I, I thought... A year ago, I thought Arteta wouldn't suffer fools gladly and if you're not succeeding and you're not delivering, then he would he would, you know, not pick you. But we've seen the hill that he's willing to die on. That is William. I'll bring Mervin on here, um, mate. Mervin. Um, yeah. So we're sort of talking ahead here, and the reason why I'm talking ahead is because personally, three 0 against Sheffield United, delighted from a morale point of view. But ultimately, I don't think that we're going to get anywhere in the Premier League. So it's just ticking us over in the Premier League. I'm more looking towards Slavia Prague. And I'm looking towards the potential of us not having Smith-Rowe, not having Erdegaard. And I want you to just talk about, so the other thing, so as Mike alluded to, is it going to be end up being Willian in 10, which hasn't worked? Or you've got Lacazette, that he's played in 10, which has been terrible. Danny Ceballos was one of the players that I... I sort of speculated might play in that today. So I guess my question related today, but then also related to, for the Slavia Prague game, if you couldn't have Erdegaard because he's injured and you can't have Smith Rowe because he's injured and Saka who started that that game tonight in at 10, but apparently he's injured. How confident or happy would you be with Tobias in at 10? Or I was going to say Willian in at 10, but I think I've sort of, I've led everyone down the uh, path of Willian. So give me your general, I want your thoughts on the connector at 10 or in between the attack and the defence, who you would prefer and what the best option would be for the next game, Slavia Prague. Okay, well, first, can I say that uh, Arteta in his after um, match interview uh, all he said on Saka was he had some discomfort in his thigh. I don't know what it is. The last thing we need is another attacking midfielder with another issue. Um, and that's that was Arteta. Um, so I am concerned that we won't be seeing Saka on uh, Thursday. Um, um, so to answer your question, I think Danny did did well tonight. I have a lot of time for Danny. He's, he's just inconsistent. To, sorry, no, just to jump yeah. in just for two seconds, then I'll carry on. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Karen, Karen Singh on uh, Facebook who said that fantastic was, he, sorry, Sobias was fantastic tonight, but he lacks consistency. Karen. <laughs> just what I was about to say. Um, <laughs> sorry. Thank you, I'm just Karen. giving a shout out to the Facebook fans. Apologies. No, no, no. Please do. Please do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, he did well tonight and he, he, he's, he's got away with him. I mean, I know sometimes he makes glaring mistakes. We've seen him give away a couple of goals. Um, but sometimes he, he can do that extra touch to take the ball away from someone and he keeps it under control. And it, it, it's 
the kind of thing he's obviously been schooled very well, you know, uh, in, in Spain. And, and I like that. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I wouldn't have a problem if we played him uh, in that role on Thursday on the assumption we don't have Smith-Rowe, we don't have Erdegaard, we don't have Saka. Um, rather than uh, the man who, who who you've been watching tonight, um, uh, <laughs> your, your laser, laser uh, eyes have been following around the pitch. Um, I don't know, you know, I'm sure, you know, on a number of these uh, pods this season, we've probably all spoken about William at different times. Um and I'm catching up with a, a ch- uh, an old Chelsea mate next week, and I know it's the first thing he's going to ask me. Um, I, I I don't want to see. I, I I don't think they know how to get the best out of William, and I don't think William has settled at all in the squad and the team. Um, and I think that it is quite apparent, and your William Watch hashtag highlighted that. Um, it's almost like he just wants to get rid of the ball. He just wants, he doesn't want to, he'd rather get the ball and give it to another Arsenal player than actually do something with it and lose it or do something wrong. And he's almost like he's scared, I think, just watching him. He seems scared to actually move it forward and try and create. So he'll go wide, he'll, he'll go down towards the byline and then he'll kind of turn back and he'll knock it back to somebody who's actually not in that greater position to use it. Um, but it's like he's not giving it away. Um, mm. And, and I, that's the impression I get watching him. And for a game as important, I mean, Thursday is a season-defining game. And I know people have been pointing yeah. out that over the last few away games, um, if we forget the home games, yeah, we've got three at Leicester, three at West Ham, three at Olympiacos, three tonight. Um, or, in the away games, we seem to be able to play better and score. Um, I think that I wouldn't want to see him because I think he slows it down. And I don't think he shows the instinct. So uh, Bakayo Saka has an instinct. He gets the ball. He's looking to pass it on, not make the obvious pass, not just knock it to another player who's got a defender on him. But they're always looking to find space. Um, and to play those balls in. And that's how we get a goal like the first goal tonight. Um, and I don't see William playing like that. And I don't think, I think he would stop us from playing like that. And I think we're going to have to, we're going to have to do things like that on Thursday night because we're going to have to kind of uh, go ahead. I mean, we've, we've got to score two goals. You know, if we don't score two, I mean, we can win the game 1-0. But I mean, it, 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 to be comfortable, I think we need two goals. Yeah, well, I mean, we can't defend. Let's be honest, we can't yeah. defend Leeds. We've shown that we can't. Our game management is poor. But sorry, Merv, yeah. I'll let you finish off. No, 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 no. It's okay. Um, so that's my concern. I don't think we have an obvious replacement in that role at number ten. Um, if we're going to have uh, a Bamiyang and Lacazette in the team together, as I've said, it doesn't. I don't think it works. I think a Bamiyang needs to be through the middle. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Lacazette as that withdrawn, uh, or almost like the number 10, the withdrawn striker. Um, I think it can work. Uh, it has worked in some games. He did well at West Ham, for example. Um, uh, he, he can make things happen. 
Um, it just it, it slows down. We need speed. What Martinelli gives us is speed, speed of thought, and speed, speed of feet and speed of passing. Bakayo Saka gives us speed. Uh, Martin Erdegaard gives us speed. Um, uh, the, the Emil Smith-Rowe gives us speed. Those four youngsters give us speed and energy. Um, and I don't see that necessarily from uh, using uh, Willian. I don't see it often from using Pepe, although he he, he is fast. Um, I don't see it when we use Lacazette in that role. Um, and so I think that it would uh, we would probably need to keep the same kind of unit tonight and using maybe Sabios coming forward to do things like that. Um, and maybe we can get party further forward the way he was able to in the second half, I suppose, attack more. Uh, mm-hmm. But then if, if Granite Xhaka presumably is going to play left back again on Thursday, um, then in which case, unless he brings Suarez in at left back, um, then, I mean, that takes Xhaka. I think in the away leg there, Xhaka will be important. Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's certainly, he will absolutely have a role to play. And we're just wrapping up for the, the final bits of tonight. I'm going to give Mike the, uh, the final say on what we are uh, approaching on Thursday, Mike. And I want to specifically get your views on the role of that connector. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes just to give your thoughts on Thursday for that role of the connector, because I know that you've talked a lot on this podcast, this pub chat, pub chat, pub chat, pub chat, pub chat's not a thing. I think I've maybe uh, had too many Uxbridge chasers, but um, this role of that connector between the midfield and the attack, which we didn't have pre-Christmas, and you talked about it. I know you, I'd, I've been on podcasts with you talking about it and talking about give Emil Smith-Rowe a chance because he can play that role. So on Thursday, hypothetically, if Smith-Rowe isn't available, if Erd- Erdegaard isn't available, who does that? That's my worry, Mike, and I want you to just make us feel better uh, as, a, as a coach, as a tactician, as somebody that literally talked about it before it actually happened who can be or can or do, do we even have or do we have to do something different when we get to thursday if smith Rowe is not fit because of an ankle sprain if erdegaard isn't fit what's the solution okay well there's lots of different things and none of them are perfect the only thing that I would say that is perfect um, I would think that because it's the most important game of the season surely one of Smith Rowe Saka or Odegaard will be given an injection or whatever kind of magic pill to play in that game so I actually don't think it's going to be a concern because I can't imagine they're not going to try to get at least one of those guys uh, fit to play so if that doesn't happen I was encouraged by Danny Sabias's um, ability to connect um, today. He didn't take too many touches. He, he did in the middle third, but he always does. But in that final third, he started to move the ball with one touch and offer some deception. So I don't know that I'm comfortable with that because, again, Arsenal are the yo-yo team. So that means that what we saw today is not going to happen on Thursday, I think. So um, I've always been interested in seeing Pepe as an interior, um, you know, as a connector, as an accelerator, I suppose. The player that I was always interested in, but we can't do it on Thursday because it's never been tried. I like players at 10 who accelerate the play. And the first thing they do is take it on their outside foot and accelerate and then 
then, then when they pass, shoot, or dribble, it, it doesn't matter so much. But it's Reese Nelson. It's too late. He's, that's obviously not going to mm -hmm. happen. Reese Nelson, yeah, Nelson accelerates the play, but then Reese Nelson's biggest issue is his decision-making in the final third. But I'd always wished that he was given an opportunity to iron that out through game time. But I love the fact that he accelerates the play. Um, so I think probably the smartest thing to do is probably try Sabios there and encourage him to do what he did today, which is in the final third, let's play with one touch. Uh, and if you're in the middle third, then please uh, go back to the final third, quite honestly, because in the Europa League, he's gifted the other team multiple goals, I think, this season, hasn't he? Um, so uh, my, my biggest nightmare is Arsenal will change formation, because if they go and play without one, then I think we may see the pre-Christmas stuff where we had that big fat donut in the middle of the field where there was nobody, mm -hmm. right? Um, and nobody to connect, and then we're relying on on Lacazette, uh, which again may be part of the yo-yo, maybe good, maybe bad. I don't know. So I really feel they have to put somebody in there. Um, but I think I'd go with Sabios if one of the three is three are not fit. Yeah. Do you know what? Again, without wanting to sound a little bit too uh, hive-mindy, that is essentially where I'm at as well, Mike. Um, my mind is what we need is somebody that connect so bios if he's doing one touch football because he technically he could do that so bios one touch one touch passing is fine but Sabios in his natural state is danny Sabios wanting three four five touches there was seven times this evening like i literally counted it in my head where he took more than four touches on the ball and he was good tonight but it drives you insane because it slows down the game. And and Danny, just keep it simple. Either get the ball and release the ball because you're a good footballer or release the ball one time, one touch, one time. And do you know what? People will see your quality, but we shall see. We shall see. It all depends on uh, the fitness of some of our, as, as we've talked about, some of our connectors. It will all depend on the fitness of some of our connectors at Slavia, at, you know, in in uh, in uh, Prague, the uh, the Czech capital, we've all got our eyes towards that now. We've got a three 0 win against Sheffield United. We tick along mid table in the Premier League. I think that's where we're going to end up. We're going to end up in the Premier League. We're going to end up in the mid ta mid table, and that's sort of where I'm at. I mean, I'm a bit meh about the the, the Premier League. It's all eyes on the Europa League. We need to get a victory against Slavia Prague. There needs to be a massive upgrade in performance compared to what we saw on Thursday. Hopefully we get it. Merv, thank you very much for joining me. No, you're welcome. Good to be here. Good as always. Uh, uh, Mike, ta tactically, our tact tactician master, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, sir. Enjoyed it very much. Uh, big shout out to uh, Dave Trance, to um, Karen, to uh, Steve Wells, to uh, Brian Peterson, Gab Ty, um, all of you guys, Sean Egan that have joined us tonight. Sorry, I can't shout all of you guys out, but I'd probably take about uh, four minutes and uh, I think we're at the end of today's podcast. But thank you very much for joining us for this virtual pub, the Gunnerstown virtual pub. We hope you can join us for the Slavia Prague game. Uh, hopefully we're talking about positive things. Hopefully we're talking about a, a next game against... Uh, 
dare we say it, an Unai Emery's uh, Villarreal. But uh, on behalf of all of the guys from the Gunners Town podcast, it's been great to have you along. We hope you've enjoyed it and uh, we will see you next time on the Gunners Town podcast. Latest peeps.